Welcome to 52 Weeks of Flow. This is a moving river podcast hosted by multifaceted entrepreneur and transformational coach Bia Marie Annie. In this podcast, we want to help you discover the concept of flow and show you ways to get into flow and how you can keep your life flowing. Hello, 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 and welcome to 52 Weeks of Flow, the podcast that delves into the depths of human potential and the transformative power of flow. My name is Bea Marie Anin, and I'm your guide on this transformative journey. It is the end of the year, and I cannot wait to even jam-pack this last bit of the year. And today I have a beautiful guest that I have known for quite a while now. And she is a gifted energy conductor and spiritual translator adeptly channels transformative energy. As a soul map guide, she empowers individuals to unlock and utilize their innate talents for both personal and business advancements. Her holistic method synergizes with her insightful talks on integrating higher self into business success. Welcome, my friend, Dominique Levesque. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, I'm really, really glad you came on because I think you have one of the most fascinating, interesting, and also um, scary lifestyles that I could ever think of. So for those of you watching us, you might notice something in Dominique's background. <laughs> for those of you who don't, say what? I tried to hide it. You tried to hide it. Yes. So she tried to hide it that she's in a car right now. That does not mean that she is not prepared for this talk, but that, what does that mean, Dominique? How, how about you tell well, us? It, it means that I am a very, very... Um, adaptable nomad. So I've been on the road since I'm, I usually say 15, but it's really 12 because I did my first um, living abroad at 12 and I just never came back to what was supposed to be my home. And I'm 50, so it's been a while. <laughs> and so I used to work from wherever. Uh, the people that work with me know that I'm most of the time either in a coffee shop, in a park, or in a car. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I have noticed that. And <laughs> the beautiful thing is that you just make it work. And I think for a lot of people, this is just really, really scary, you know, to be so flexible and to be so free in a way. Have like You just said that you have been trapped doing this or living this kind of lifestyle since you're 12 um but in a world in a society where you know we buy houses or rent apartments and get settled and everything is about you know settling down how how does that how does you and your lifestyle and society and how does that all go together um I'm not going to tell you that it's easy. I, I do hear a lot of people that are like, well, I have kids, so I'm a single mom. My kids travel with me. 
Um, and I, I do hear a lot of people saying, oh, I just sold everything and I went on the road, right? <clears throat> and then two years after they're dying to go back to what they call home. So for me, my home is basically in my head. And a lot of people through my years, I've been working for a long time, used to say, well, you're not stable. Well, how am I not stable? I've been doing the same kind of jobs. I've never really left what I do from, from so long that I cannot even remember being in a different industry, right? And so I believe that the stability um, and the... Um, yeah, I believe that the stability is really within you. You know, I don't need four walls to feel that I belong somewhere. And freedom freedom is basically what I'm at. I work with a numerologist and she's always like, well, you have 11 fives in your chart. I'm like, what does that mean? Well, it means you're free. You need to be free. So I, you know what, Bia, what's funny is I can't even sign a lease it stresses me out because I feel like I'm going to be attached somewhere. <laughs> but I do I do travel less than I did. You know, usually we go, we move every three or four months. And I do travel less. So now we're in Canada for six months because my son likes to snowboard. And the only reason why I travel less is because they're teens and there's things that they want to do. My daughter wants to do like tennis and soccer with really good trainers and I can find that here and my son likes to snowboard with good trainers I can find that here I might not find it somewhere else but yes society doesn't like it and you know I'm going to tell you a funny story uh, maybe a month ago I went to the bank right because I was like well I want to live in Canada but I I would like to have an apartment and buy furniture I have nothing right I own I own a suitcase and I went to the bank I'm Canadian should be able to get a loan. I mean, I make money, you know? And he's like, how can you prove it? I'm like, well, here's the paper that I gave to the government. He's like, no, I need a payslip. Like, well, I don't have a payslip. I haven't had a payslip since I'm like 20 years old. And he's like, well, I would like to help you, but you don't fit in the government or in the society's rules. So as a bank person, I can't help you. And that day, I really felt like, do I have to fit in society to be able to do things? And did I screw up the life of my kids by keeping them out of society, right? And then, universe is beautiful. That day, it started snowing. It's like, yeah, almost a month ago. And it started snowing. And then my son is like, well, I want to go snowboarding. I'm like, okay, I have a couple of clients, but let's just drive there. And then you can snowboard for three hours. You can wait for me and then we'll come back after my last client. If I was in society, I would not be able to do that. Mm. And that's what I really cherish in the life that I have. This is so beautiful. I just imagine, you know, sometimes my daughter is like in the morning, she's like, oh, mommy, can we do this? And I'm like, no, baby, you have to go to school. And she's like, oh, oh, yeah, that's right. But instead, yeah, you know, just... Yet instead of just going, yeah, sure, let's let's go swimming or let's go, yeah, let's travel to wherever. <laughs> That'd be so cool. And you actually live that. You actually do that. Yes, yes, I do that. My kids are unschooled, so that means that um, 
Uh, well, so for instance, my daughter, she's 16. She studied psychology. Um, she studied NLP. She studied nutrition, but she never did history or geography because she doesn't care about it. And my son is 13 and he did, um, when he was younger, we were in Scotland in the car, actually. He did all his classes in the car while we were going from one place to another. He was studying uh, internet security and he was like nine, you know, <laughs> and he did a class. It was, it was an amazing, I even, I learned so much by listening to the teacher. It was crazy. He did a class in Minecraft with an architect that has a major in history. And the guy was teaching them how to build stuff according to how they would build in that time and teaching them like architecture stuff. And I was like, wow, like these people are, are just awesome. They should be in schools, but yeah, they're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I think a lot when I hear, you know, great minds talk because sometimes they explain it so that even kids can understand it. So why don't we bring that like really, um, stuff that we actually use in life why don't we bring that into school instead of stuff that we just learn for a test and then forget again yeah and there is this girl online I I love her um she's from Colombia and she always talks about she says things that sometimes I don't really understand but one of her things she said so you go to school and you learn something. So basically the government or whoever is managing is saying, this is what you're going to learn. And then they put a test to make sure that you've really embodied that, <laughs> that you're really going to listen to what they say, right? And then there's my kids that will only learn whatever they want, whenever they want. There are good things about school. I'm not going to say there aren't, you know, like for us, it's really hard to be within a community. And I know that for me, having a village is super important. So I have, um, when they were younger, I would go to smaller villages to kind of have the community, right? Now that they're teens, it's a lot harder. And I do see it in my kids. It's really hard for them to just go and have friends. They don't know how to do that mm. um, because they've always traveled. So there are things that school or some kind of... of um, I want to say ruled environment because that's what I think about when when I think about school but even like a, a, a sports team or things like that that you don't get when you're traveling you can get a moving community a floating community but you don't really get a stable community unless you always go back to the same places and we don't mm -hmm. so that's the one thing that I feel that um, people that have the same lifestyle as me are missing mm -hmm. Okay. Well, there is, isn't there always a downside or isn't there always something that is missing? Well, there's always a huge lesson. I just, um, yeah, I just, I try to explain to them that there's, we have to look at it at, on the positive side, but it's more for the parent, you know, like, you know, when your kids are small and they throw food on the floor and you're like, well, you know, it's, they have to understand that it's going to fall and then eventually it comes back. And, and then eventually when they keep on throwing the things on the floor, eventually it doesn't come back anymore. And eventually mom will get pissed off. 
-hmm. you know, if they keep on throwing things on the floor. So it's a lesson. It's easy to understand for us that lesson because it's kind of part of life. Society kind of ingrained in her brain that you go to school, you make friends, and eventually you party and you get married and life goes on, right? Well, we don't have that. So for the mom, it's like, it's always, even though I do, I sit with faith a lot and I, I'm always in my, you know, in my gut feeling, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And most of the time it's yes. And when it's not, I realign, but that part doesn't belong to me. The only thing that belongs to me as a mom is to kind of make a path that I hope is the right one, but the story on the path is not mine. <laughs> and, and by not putting them in society without being able to ask them for what they think because when they're born I just kind of said this is what we're doing and they are not able to say well no I don't feel like it or <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's that's the only thing that I feel might be a little bit challenging for parents it's like when people always been in in society's rules and then they decide well I'm unschooling now there is a, a, a year of de-schooling for every year you've been to school. So I've never been to school. So I was good. But I see it in the people. And then they're like, well, am I allowed to tell them what to do? Well, you're still a parent. You know, you're, you're supposed to tell them what you think. But as an unschooler, you don't tell them how to do it. And for the parent to just sit there and and not control <laughs> what your kids are doing sometimes can be a little bit challenging yeah because we get so attached to the outcome and as parents we think we know how it's supposed to be or how it will work out best so we're tr even though if we are really open minded we do tend to you know lead them down the path that we think is probably the right one or the better one instead of just letting them experience what they need to experience yeah without well, getting hurt of course suffer, right excuse me again like you just said without getting hurt we don't want to see yeah. them suffer yeah yeah it's it is a path it's a different path it's not the society's norm yeah and i mean your life has not been in society's norms like you said that you've been basically traveling or unschooled and living a nomad life since you're 12 like how usually one would say no you at At, by the age of 12, you need to go back to your parents. There need to be a supervisor. You need to be supervised the whole time. And just deciding you're not going back, like, how did that work? Mm. Well, so I was, um, I was uh, in uh, horseback riding. They're not really schools. They're stables. And I, um, I was riding horses and I was getting a lot of opportunities um, in the horseback riding world. And so when I guess the, I guess it's very courageous for a parent to say, well, if you see better opportunities there, go. 
it could be courageous or it could be looked at by society as, oh, she doesn't want to raise her teen. I would like to believe that my family decided that it was a better opportunity for me or yeah, I want, this is what I want to think. <laughs> I want to think that my family thought it is a better opportunity for me to stay where I was um, and go in that path. And when I'm saying that to you, if they would have said, come back, I would not have come back anyways, because of the way I am. Mm. And moms know these things, you know, so maybe she thought that if I don't tell her to come back, she'll come back. <laughs> Reverse psychology. Yeah. I don't know what happened in her head. My, my mom doesn't talk. And if I was to ask her the question, she wouldn't answer. But I, I, um, I want to believe that it's because she was courageous enough to say that it was better for me. If I thought it was better, she was trusting that. Hmm. And I, I want to believe that too, because this is like a beautiful example of detaching from the outcome and deciding for the best of your child because sometimes I realize for myself but also for I see that in others that that we think we decide for the best of our children but in the end it's always for the best of us yeah I mean we all have an agenda right yeah you know it's funny that you're saying that because last week I went down like a rabbit hole on, on that, on deciding the decision that we make in life is like, as a, as a mother, and now that we're in parent talking about parents and kids, mm -hmm. as a mother, I'm always wondering if the decisions that I'm making are for the greater good. And then I, I hear society saying, well, you have to take time for you and your path and you're this and you're that. But when you decide to bring kids to the world, you decide that you're going to share your path. And if you slow down your own progress, because you're you're raising these little kids to be like full-blown happy adults, it's okay. And I don't believe that there is enough of that it's okay dialogue out there. I believe that there's way too much pressure on self-care, which self-care is super important. But you know what? If you're not sleeping because your kids wake up every two hours, it's it's also part of the process. And it's okay. You will sleep. It will come back. Everything has like an end to the cycle. And I, I do believe that we need to say more that parenthood, if it slows down into your own path and your own journey, it's all good. It's all okay. That was my quote of the day. <laughs> <laughs> And I really, really love that. I really love that you that you brought that up because for the past two weeks, um, so I have been away for a week, which was really, really cool for me. But now coming coming back, you know, my kids are a lot more attached to me. So every time I leave the room, it's like, mama. And I was prepared for that. I was prepared for that. And I was also prepared for for them sleeping in our bed a lot which also means that I have a foot here in the night and a fist here and so I haven't slept through like but yeah basically in two weeks 
And so the past week, I've also been working late. So five hours of un of interrupted sleep <laughs> for the, for the past couple of days, but I'm I still feel great. So I completely get the self care part, and I and I'm also a big advocate for self care. But there's also for everything there is a time and a place. And yes, like you said, when we have kids, when we bring kids into the world, we we take into account that we don't sleep well or we don't sleep enough, but our body adjusts. Yes, sleep, I think, is the most important self-care of all. Yeah, definitely. Um, but our body is so resilient if we let it. And that's the key point, if we let it, right? Because if like you're not stressing, you're not stressing, sorry, you're not sleeping and you're stressing all the time about not sleeping, you're not letting it. Yeah, It's all that that journey of being a nomad and being a non-schooler is kind of, um, I'm, I'm very resilient to whatever is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And with dealing with whatever will be brought to me. And I try not to stress. I mean, sometimes I will because being a nomad and being on school also means that the income is not always the same because you're going to live in countries where it's a lot more expensive than you're going to go to a country that is less expensive. Or like me, when I was in Scotland, we were doing home sitting and all of a sudden they all canceled. I'm in one of the most expensive countries and I didn't have the perfect income at that time. That's like probably nine years ago. Um, and so I didn't know what to do, but there was a solution because I was open to the solution. So it's the same thing. Instead of stressing about self-care and sleeping and eating and all of this and all of that, you know, if you let the solutions come to you, they will. And eventually there's also a way to sleep. I mean, I co-slept with my kids because we were in one bedrooms for so long, so mm -hmm. long, you know, that I, I guess I got used to it. But um, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> foot in the face <laughs> so we talked about kids a lot and about parenting and about you know traveling and you just said you know nine years ago your income wasn't that great so how can you build a business being on because let's be real in nowadays when we look at social media and everything everybody is a content creator or um you know, social media um, influencer, and that's what that's what a lot of people earn their money with when they're nomads or traveling or stuff. So, what exactly do you do, or what kind of business have you built that that has been going on for for over twenty years now? So, I'm um, I do business strategy. I help business owners to stay so led in their business. So not to stress really about the business and about the outcome, to detach themselves from the outcome. Um, I give them real business moves. You know, we, we still do goals. We still do all the real business things, but we always make sure that we remain so led because when you remain so led, heart-centered, it means that you're getting your guidance from a higher consciousness level. You're not getting your 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 
your wisdom from the collective of the 3D, because the collective of the 3D is kind of like chaotic right now. So if I lead my business with that chaos, I'm going to bring chaos into my life. Mm. And I've been doing that forever because I was very, very um, blessed with crossing the path of extremely rich people, like very, very rich people. I was working as a private concierge when I was younger. I did a tea sommelier class uh, when I was like 16. And I would go and drink tea with really rich people. And they would teach me how to do business. <laughs> and that was awesome. I'm a huge risk taker. So I have been bankrupt three times. And I've rebuilt the same business three times. Every time better. And for the first um, almost 34 years, I didn't earn money. I exchanged my time for traveling. So I've been in the best hotels, the best restaurants. I traveled first class, private jets, and I would go and work and they would give me in whatever it is, they would give me, um, well, it's considered a pay, right? It was an exchange. Nowadays, I don't know if I could live with an exchange because of my kids. So I just started um, charging for it. And I, I ha I've had food trucks. I've had so many different things, but always in the same industry. It's always in the tourism, restoration, um, creative industry, and always doing business strategy. Hmm. And that's how I've been doing it. And now that we have internet, it's so much more easier. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, since a, since the last three years, almost every business has gone online. So this is an amazing addition. Yes. I do want to say something if I don't know who's listening to this, if that can help anyone. But the content creators do not earn their money from the content creation. They earn their money from the brands the brand deals that they get. They earn their money from, and I'm not going to say all of them, right? But most of them, the money does not come from the content creation itself. It comes from you showing up, and that's for whatever business. You show up in your full power, understanding how you're showing up and being real about the way you show up, and brands sometimes will reach out to you or other people will reach out to you. You know, like you can go speak on stages. You can be invited to conferences. You can have, like when my kids were young, I used to take pictures of them. They were always dressed in Billabong. And so I got a sponsors from Billabong and they would say, well, keep on taking pictures and posting them and we'll give you like 80% off of the clothes. Hmm. So just there. I pay 80%, 20% of the clothes, right? So this is how the people make money. Um, a lot of them, a lot of the, the content creators and the social media influencers. And um, the other thing that I want to say, I have so much to say. The other thing that I want to say is when you hear, you know, like everything is easy and you can make money in like four weeks or six weeks or 90 days, it's not real. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't. You have to show up. You have to be there and you have to talk about what it is that you do. And I always tell my clients, if you don't make the offer of what you're doing, 
you're not giving the opportunity to people to come back to you and purchase from you. So the social media, the, the content creator, they're telling you what they're doing. And then you reach out to them and you're like, well, how did you make it? And this is how they're making money. Wonderful. I love that. I love it because it, there are so many courses. There's so many ads out there that tell you, oh, earn money in an hour or just two hours a day and you become a millionaire in six months. And I do believe that there are people who did it that way yeah, for sure um but I like I really really like that you said you have to show up you have to do the work because this is like this is what my whole life is about it is about yes trusting and that there is a plan and you know being connected to your higher power go being in your flow and going with life's current but you need to do the work. You need to do the steps. You cannot just sit on the couch and be like, okay, now send it all to me. <laughs> the, the, the false uh, way of looking at manifestation, right? Yeah. I would like to have $10 million. And then I sit here and I breathe and it's going to come. It doesn't happen that way. You have to know that it's there. You have to embody it. You have to already not even believe. It's already know that it's all there for you. You still have to show up. Yeah. If you don't show up and you don't do the work, it's not going to happen. You can wish whatever it is that you want. It's never going to happen. Yes, absolutely. Dominique, I could really talk to you for hours. This is such an, a delightful conversation and I've learned so much already. So if there is from your amazing life's experience if if there's another one thing that you could tell our listeners what would that be i think whatever is happening at the moment is happening for a reason and if you try to look at that whatever thing that is happening from a different perspective you will see the why it's happening and then you can walk through it and not walk away from it because it's going to come back there is no stress in anything if it's what you perceive as bad what you perceive as good it's going to be right because it's your perception so whatever is happening is happening and you need to take it by the hand and say i love you and let's just do this and when it's over it's over and when it's over it's over that's the perfect ending for our beautiful conversation thank you so much for coming thank you for inviting me and that's it that's it for today that's our show thank you so much for tuning in and staying with us till the end of this beautiful episode of 52 weeks of flow i'm giving you a virtual high five right now because you have completed another amazing episode if you have 10 seconds then i would be so delighted if you could rate the show and give us five stars This would mean the world to me because then we can bring on more amazing guests and reach far more people with a life of flow. 
If you have any questions or suggestions, please feel free to reach out Bea at superwoman.coach or on Instagram at moving underscore river. Dominique, tell the people where they can reach you. You can reach me on uh, Instagram, Intention in Flow, or you can reach me on my website, intentioninflow.com. Intention and Flow and 52 Weeks of Flow are signing off. Until next time, keep shining, keep learning, keep growing and keep flowing.